are you guys doing? Good. What's up, Amayaso National University? <laughs> it's so cool being here. How many of you guys had a really long day at school? Yeah, me too. I just came back, as Rona said, that I'm at Torch Theological Seminary right now, studying for my Master's of Divinity. And I started the day this morning at 8 a.m. and came straight here. And so I honor you guys for coming, even though it's rainy and it's, it's a good time to just go home and relax, drink some It's that coffee-sipping weather. You know what I'm talking about? I'm from Seattle, so we're all about coffee. But um, it's awesome that you guys came out, and God really wants to bless you guys today. Okay, this podium is not wanting to hold my paper. All right, so today we're going to talk a little bit about the military. Okay. Uh, how many of you guys have any affiliation to the military at all? Your parents, brothers, sisters, yourself? Oh, wow. Three of you? Okay, that's a lot. I don't. <laughs> I have no affiliation with the military whatsoever. And so the only thing I know enough to know that the military is very different from, it, it's kind of like a whole different world. They have their own language. Okay, kind of. When I, when I was... So the only affiliation I have with the military is... If you guys know me, some of you guys from New Philly might know me. My past before coming here as an intern pastor, I was actually involved in beauty pageants. <laughs> How many of you guys know what a beauty pageant is? We all know? Do you not know? Where are you from? Malaysia? Miss Malaysia. That's what a beauty pageant is. Okay, we all on the same page? Yeah, a lot of people hate on me because I used to do pageants. But the cool thing is, is that it allows me to relate to seriously everyone in this world. Because anywhere you go, normally there's some form of beauty pageants going on. So... You might ask, how did this girl who was doing beauty pageants have any affiliation with the military, right? Okay, let me explain. Let me explain. So the first pageant that I ever won was actually called Miss Seafair. Can we all say Miss Seafair? Miss Seafair. Okay. And Miss Seafair, okay, it originated in Seattle, and it actually goes all the way back to the 1950s. So there's been, you do the math, a lot of Miss Seafairs. Okay, and Miss Seafair, the tradition starting from 1950 was there was this thing called Fleet Week. Do you guys know what Fleet Week is? It's when, so in the, in the military, there is Army, there's Marines, there's Navy, and there's Air Force. Is there anything else? Okay, I don't know. <laughs> but the Navy is always on the water, right? So when they come home, when they land on dry ground it's called fleet week and we welcome the sailors home okay so in the 1950s miss seafair stood there when the sailors came out to greet them okay and i and the tradition has continued but don't get me wrong okay miss seafair has changed a lot too there's different credentials now you know like academics 
<laughs> Talent, community service, public speaking. I don't want to boast, so I'll just stop there. Okay, but that was how I became affiliated with the military. And I was able to enter into this world that was completely different. I didn't know what to address them as, right? Um, ad, their names are crazy. It's like Admiral something, 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 something. If you don't say it right, you're disrespecting them. So I just called them sir, you know? And so they have their own language. They have their own culture. It's very disciplined. They wear different clothing. They have uniforms. They even run by a different time, military time, right? And let, let me, I brought some pictures today. I brought some pictures today. So let's, let's prove that I have some affiliation with the military, okay? There I am, right there in the middle. Look at all those sailors. And if you can go to the next slide. Wait, we have to see where there's Oh, there you are. There's a lot of them, huh? Go to the next slide. Uh, this, I was able to actually, um, I had the honor of awarding each of these sailors that were at different rank with medals and honor them right when they got off the boat. And so it's, um, it's really cool. Stay there for a little bit. Uh, the reason why, okay, I'll talk about the pictures. <laughs> so this is the Admiral, okay, of the Navy. And, um, when I went in here, I was actually in charge of going to a lot of events. So I went to this officer's reception, and it's where the leader of every division within that area, they were there. And I would have to go up there and make a speech of all people, right? I, I didn't even know that the military was split into those divisions until I got there. And so I remember going up there and and saying, you know, thank you for your service. Thank you for serving our country. And, and thanking each of the divisions. And then I said something like, do you guys know who the Blue Angels are? No? Okay, go to the next slide. Let me explain for the Blue These are the Blue Angels. Okay? And the Blue Angels come during this fleet week, during seafair every week. And they fly around in these crazy formations up in the air. And so that was actually my highlight. And so I remember in my speech, I said, and my highlight was the U.S. Uh, Blue Angels, which are part of the Air Force. And the whole room goes silent. And I was like, oh, no, I did something wrong. And when I sat down, you can go to the next picture. Uh, when I sat down after this reception, see, these are the Blue Angels. They're pretty good looking, huh? Girls, guard your hearts. <laughs> but I sat down, and one of these gentlemen tapped me and goes, Honey, the Blue Angels are part of the Navy. <laughs> and I was like, Duh, I'm part of Seafair. It's affiliated with Navy. Why would I ever think that they're part of the Air Force, right? And the reason why, even though they fly planes, they're part of the Navy, is because they take off and land on these aircraft carriers. So they're actually really skilled pilots. And so in, or they have to take off within a certain span of, of that ship, right? And they have to be able to land within that length, too. And so it's kind of a diss to them to say that they're part of the Air Force. Got me? So I had to learn the hard way to know that the military was a whole different world. Okay, let's go to the next picture. Um, this was the aircraft carrier that I was able to kind of explore. 
And then uh, next picture. Okay, this was just for your entertainment. Okay, I got to I got to um, kind of give the medal to this admiral, this tall guy over here that was coming, and then I gave the medal to this shorter gentleman here, which was the going admiral. You can tell I have to lean right, and then go to the next picture. That's funny, huh? Yeah. I'm not Miss Seifer anymore, so I can show off these pictures that I thought were hilarious. Um, but that's it. That's it. And so why, is, why am I sharing that the military is so different from the world we're in? Okay. The Lord, our God, also has a military base that's in heaven. And he also has an army of God here on earth. The problem isn't these differences, okay, of between civilians and the military. But the problem is, is that so many soldiers, okay, soldiers of Christ don't even know that they're enlisted. Hmm. So today's message is called, You Are Enlisted. Okay, let's bow our heads in prayer. God, I thank you for this opportunity to speak here at SNU Emmaus, God. And I pray that your presence would be here today, that your Holy Spirit would release revelation, God, as to the reality of which we are in, God. I pray that uh, we would no longer walk, God, as defenseless civilians, God, here on this earth when you've called us, God, to something so much greater. You've empowered us, God, with so much more authority. And so, Lord, I pray that that revelation will go out today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So how many of you guys have been um, updated with current events? Somewhat, right? You really can't actually open a Korean newspaper these days without seeing the word war. Huh. If you guys aren't aware that North Korea has officially declared that they are in war with South Korea. okay? People aren't taking it very seriously, but if we're really honest with ourselves, deep down inside, there's a little bit of tension, isn't there? Okay, even if you're not engaged in current events, I'm sure as foreigners here, we've all received a call from our parents who are up to date with current events, and they're saying, get your butt home, right? Am I not right? (laughs) I know my mom called me. (laughs) But perhaps the reason why, you know, war is so scary, I would side with your parents. It's pretty scary. It's pretty frightening, right? Why is it so scary? Why is war scary? The attacks that, it's because the attacks are always unpredictable, right? Or else it wouldn't be called an attack. And I would say that perhaps it's so scary with North Korea because, This new leader, Kim Jong-un, I hope I'm saying that right. I'm actually Chinese. I heard some of you guys speaking Chinese back there. (laughs) Kim Jong-un, they say that he's a wild card 
compared to his grandfather and his father. Okay, this third generation leader, he's a wild card. He's young, he's inexperienced. There's because of that, there's so many uncertainties and he's so unpredictable. And so that's why there's fear. Okay. And as civilians, when we think about this, the prospect, okay, are we going to be in war? Where does your comfort come from? Hmm? Okay, apart from God, if we didn't know God, our only comfort would come with the military, right? We think, I hope that the South Korean military is alert and sober-minded. I hope that the U.S. military is alert and sober-minded. But God also calls for his people to be alert and sober-minded because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion to see who he can devour. God is a God of war. Did you guys know that? In Exodus 15:3 it says the Lord is a man of war, which means his saints are his warriors. You guys. You guys as saints are his warriors. You know, if you grew up in church, you know that God is a God of peace. You know, we all know God is a God of peace. So how is it that God can be a God of peace yet he is a God of war? The first thing I'm going to tell you is God does not contradict himself. Okay? Oftentimes, in order to get peace, it calls for a time of war. Even the most uh, peaceful-natured person, there are times where they're called to fight. When God adopted you into his family, he not only adopted you into his family of love, which is true, but he also recruited you to be his army. If you didn't know that God, the God that you serve is a God of war, then this is probably good news for you guys. Okay, because when the wars of the world strike, God tells us that we don't have to be afraid because God has enlisted us into his army. And not only that, but he's provided us with the resources and protection And he guarantees our victory at the end because he's already what? He's already paid the price. Okay, so let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. there i'm going to be reading from the esv feel free to read along okay if you have the same version i know it's really awkward when you don't have the same version and you don't know when to say what words right Uh, finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Let's end there. Do you guys know what supplication is? Just in case you don't, supplication is a form of prayer, and it's basically asking God to provide on behalf of yourself or for someone else. Okay? So now that we've recognized, okay, recognizing that we are Christ's ambassadors, we are soldiers for Christ, right? How do we effectively engage in warfare? We said that it's very different from how the world engages in warfare, right? So we're going to go over these verses here. And if we look at it, the first thing it says is it says who our enemy is. Okay, we have to know who our enemy is if we want to engage in effective warfare, right? Have you guys ever played a game or tried to teach someone how to play a game? And they could not figure out who their opponents were. It's really frustrating, right? You teach them. I know for me, I have a younger brother. He's actually not that young now. He's probably your guys' age. Or maybe even older than you guys. I don't know. But my little brother, he plays a lot of video games, right? I don't know what it is. It's kind of similar to StarCraft, but I don't think it is. It's a lot more hardcore. Every time I walk into that computer room, I feel like it's a battlefield. He has his, you know, the... the, the headphones on and he's talking to his friends i don't even know how they talk they're not in our house and uh he's communicating with them and being like hit hit, hit the guy in the red blah, 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 blah. and i'm like what is this what is this and so you know being the cool sister that i am i i want to get in on it oh i want to see what's so fun and actually i think it's not good for him too so i want to see what it was it's really bloody and really gory And so I said, hey, let me in. And so he kind of taught me a little bit. And I tried playing, but every time he would, there would be someone that runs out of the corner. And my immediate reaction is to shoot them, right? And I shot him. He's like, that's me. (laughs) I was like, oh, sorry. And then we'd start again. And we'd play again. And then right when someone comes over, I'm like, and he's like, stop it. That's me. You're killing me. Stop. I don't want to play with you anymore. You know? (laughs) But is it, it's true, you know? I'm killing my own brother. You know, when we engage in warfare, we don't want to kill our own brother. We don't want to kill our own sister. We need to know who our enemy is. 
Right? It's the same thing. If you can't, if you can't vibe with that, what about like sports? What kind of sports do you guys play? You guys play sports? What do you play? Yeah, you. <laughs> you don't play sports? Who plays sports? Come on. What about the Malaysians? We play any sports? Basketball. Okay, basketball. You know when you play basketball and you toss the ball, but you accidentally toss it to the wrong team, a turnover? That sucks, right? <laughs> you have to know who your opponent is. Okay, so that's the first thing. Know your enemy. Verse 12, if we read it, it says that not f- you, that you're, you, the fight isn't against flesh or blood, right? But rulers, authorities, cosmic powers. Cosmic means worldly. It comes from the Greek word cosmos. Okay, it's worldly power. So powers existing in this world that are allies of the forces of evil in the heavenly places. Okay, those are our enemies. It's basically the devil. Okay? So we have to know who our enemies are. If, it's, if the Bible says that our enemies isn't flesh and blood, what does that mean? That means the enemy isn't your sister. That means that the enemy is not your abusive father who used to come home drunk. That means the enemy isn't your teacher who gave you bad grades and said you'll forever be a C student. That means that the enemy is not yourself whom the devil has told you that you hate so much. We all know who our enemy is now? It's the what? Come on, I got to get more from you guys. What? Who is your enemy? Shout it out. There we go. Okay. Now, if we go back to our passage and we keep reading on, it says that we are to put on the full armor of God. Right? We know that the enemy is who the enemy is, and it's not flesh and blood. But God says that he's given us protection, weapons, resources that we can put on to protect ourselves. Right? The belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes fitted with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, helmet of salvation, right? What does all this mean? You know, what does all of this mean? It's a metaphor, basically God telling you guys, lean not on your own human strength, but lean on God's strength, okay? The battle is the Lord's. Therefore, we put on the armor and use the weapons because what? Our enemy is in the spiritual realm. The powers of evil in the heavenlies, it says. The the tactics that we use here on earth, it doesn't work. And furthermore, God doesn't call us to pick and choose. Okay? He doesn't say, oh, I'm gonna put on the I'm gonna put on the helmet of salvation, but it might mess up my hair, so I'm gonna take that one off. Mm-mm. You know, sometimes we walk into uh, 
you know, it's okay for Christians to go to clubs. I used to go to clubs all the time, even after I was saved. I worked for Seattle Fashion Week, and it involved me going to a lot of clubs, a lot of events. But the thing is, is when you go into those clubs, do you take off your helmet of salvation and you forget that you're saved? You know, do you decide to take off your belt of truth because you lost so much weight? You don't even need that belt no more. Hmm? We cannot pick and choose. God says, put on the full armor of God. Who, who in the right mind, if you are going out to battle, you would not put on everything that protects your body. Especially the shield of faith. Did you guys know that, at ba- okay, if we go back into this, this scripture, right? It's written in the time of, like, Romans. And back then, that shield isn't just this little shield that you go like this, you know, protecting your whole body. That shield was actually the size of a whole door. Okay, and you stand behind it, it protects your whole entire body. So, if you leave anything at home, you better not leave your shield of faith. You know, I asked... As you guys know, I'm not that knowledgeable in military things, okay? So I had to ask my friend who's in the military, and I asked him, when you go to battle, what are certain things you have to have? And I asked him, and he's like, it's a really random question. I didn't tell him I was preaching on this. I didn't tell him the passage I was preaching on. I wanted to get a real answer. And he told me there's three things. Okay, he said the three things, and I tr- trust me, I didn't tell him. He said that you need um, things to fight, things to survive, and things to communicate. Okay, things to fight, knives, guns, explosives, ammunition. Things to survive, body armor, um, helmets, gloves, boots, water, armor. Sound familiar? Okay, things to communicate, radios, maps. Okay, I'm here to tell you that God has given us all three of these things, as it's said here in this passage. Okay, things to fight with. He said that he gives us, if you actually observe all these different things, all the different parts of the armor of God, the only one that's offensive, that we can use offensively, is the sword of the spirit. Okay, your words are powerful. And for those of you guys who know this, it's if you remember, you know, when if when you were little and you experienced someone, you know, your mom saying you're ugly and it sticks with you forever until Jesus comes. You know what I mean? Words are powerful, but let me submit to you that the words of truth are much more powerful. Okay. And so. Our weapon, okay, our things to fight with is the sword of the spirit. Your words are powerful. When you use the words of God in your prayer, they're powerful. Okay, you see miracles. Trust me, I've seen it happen. Okay, if you want, if, if your mind is too, it's too difficult for you to grasp, like how, how powerful can my words be? Let me submit to you that actually the Bible itself, the physical Bible itself is a weapon. Let me share this little story with you. So when I went back home to Seattle and it was summertime, okay? So in America, people during summertime, they just run around in their swimsuits everywhere. You go to the park, 
you just lay out in your swimsuit. It's not inappropriate. That's just how it is. Uh, so I, me, and I always meet up with this one friend that I have. I have this big African-American friend. <laughs> and we've been friends since we were young. And so every time I go home, I have to see him. His name is Kareth. He always tells people, carrot with a th yeah. and korean people always call him tangun which means carrot in korean but i was meeting up with him but he was late and so i was like oh good it's okay i'll just lay out get some sun you know because we don't get sun here very much in korea or there's no place to lay out and even if you do it's weird yeah. right and so I laid out, and then he was so late. I was like, this is, I'm really time-oriented and efficient, too. So I was like, this is such a waste of my time. I was like, I'm going to read the Word of God. And so I take out my Bible, and I start reading, right? And I'm, I'm getting into it. I'm soaking in the sun. I'm loving the Word. And then all of a sudden, I see this shadow over my Bible. And I look up, and I think it's my friend. And I'm like, but it's not. And it's this. I have nothing against Russians. He just happened to be Russian. <laughs> but it was this Russian that walked over, and he was like, hey, so my name's something. I don't even know. I was so scared. I was like, get away from me. <laughs> I'm like half naked in my swimsuit. <laughs> and uh, he goes, um, so I, I just, you know, I couldn't. I, I just noticed, like, from far away, you're really cute. And, uh. Um, and, and he kept getting closer and closer, and he started, like, kneeling down, you know, to get to where I was. And I remember thinking in my mind, it was going ballistic, and I was like, do I lie? What do I say? Should I say my big black boyfriend's coming soon? Like, what do I say? You know, and I was like, I can't lie. I'm a pastor now. I can't lie. And so it was going on in my head, right? And then he gets down, and then all of a sudden, he sees that my Bible was in my lap. And then he goes, and then all of a sudden he goes, what's that? And I go, oh, this? It's, it's the Bible. And he goes, he goes, Ugh. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why do you look so uncomfortable all of a sudden? You were so confident before, you know? And he goes, oh, I can't do this to you. And I was like, what were you going to do to me? You know? And I was, my Bible was in my lap like this. You know, I was kind of sitting there. And he started backing off. And I was like, I want to be like, oh. <laughs> and I swear he would have taken like three steps back. But this is a weapon. Word of God is a weapon. <laughs> Try it sometime. Okay. Yeah, God's given us things to fight with. He's given us things to survive with as well, right? He's given us the belt of truth, all of that, right? The breastplate, the shoes, the shield of faith. It's all things to help us survive and things to communicate, okay? Things to communicate. We look at uh, the verse 18 says, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. Our communication with God. We don't need to carry around radios and big old maps. We just pray to God. He's everywhere. Your prayers are powerful. The word of God is powerful. And when you go into, you notice it's not an offensive thing too. The sword of the spirit, it's used in the offense. But prayer 
you know, we don't, we don't point and say in the name of, well, sometimes we do, but normally if we're, if there's some injustice, we normally take it into our prayer closets, right? And we believe that God's our vindicator and we see the testimonies come out of that. And so we are given things to communicate as well, which is prayer. We're fully equipped. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are fully equipped. (laughs) Not only are you fully equipped, but finally, you have to know that the victory is already yours. Okay, Colossians 2.15, it says that he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. We do not fear because Jesus Christ has already won for us. The victory in the end is already ours. The enemy is already on our feet. That's why we have feet fitted with the gospel of peace. Why? The enemy is on our feet. You know, someone told me that if I ever want to talk to the enemy, I write it on the bottom of my shoes. Because that's where the enemy is. You are armed and dangerous. Okay, the majority is on your side. Now, many of us keep walking on earth as if we're defenseless civilians, don't we? Full of fear, full of anxiety, losing our helmets, dropping our shields when things come. What good is the arm of God if you don't know how to use it? But like I said, right, in the military, it takes training. Why are military people in there for so long? It's not like one day they go in there and they understand all the lingo. They understand what all those badges are. It just looks like a rainbow to me. It takes training. It takes training to put on the full armor of God. I'm not telling you guys today you're going to, I mean, that could happen too. But God's patient with you too. Put it on one at a time. Okay, I didn't, I didn't always walk with the full armor of God. Okay, if you guys know my testimony, I actually was not saved until about five years ago. And just, it wasn't too long after that that I realized that I needed to put on the full armor of God. And so during that time where I did not have the full armor of God, man, it says in the passage that we read that the enemy right, throws flaming darts at you. And if you don't have the shield of faith, if you don't have the shield of faith to block those flaming darts, then how many arrows are in you? You're an open target. I was full of arrows. Okay. I grew up not in a Christian family, and it wasn't... um, And, you know, when I grew up, I felt very, very worthless. Very, very worthless. If, if those arrows were anything, every single arrow was probably an arrow of worthlessness. I felt like I wasn't as good as other people. I felt like I wasn't as smart as my siblings. I wasn't as pretty as other girls. I wasn't as talented as those around me. And so in response, I worked hard at everything. 
My mentality was if I work really, really hard, I can do everything that those people can do. Okay, but what happened? Time and time again, I would fail. And what happened? Another arrow of worthlessness. Another arrow of worthlessness. And soon I became achievement-oriented because I was so empty inside. I was like an empty box, okay, empty box. If you just decorate it enough, right, wrap it in really fancy wrapping paper, put a ribbon on it, at least people will think that something valuable is inside. I was completely achievement-oriented. I tried to be the smartest. I tried to dress the best. I tried to play every sport in high school. I tried to be good at everything. But when I entered college, when I applied to college, and I kept getting rejections right and left, I had a reality check. No, no, no. Those arrows are in me. You know, I started thinking, well, I should just pursue other things different from my siblings. Because that way, at least my parents won't compare me to them. Not that they ever did. It was just me. It was just the enemy. You're not as good as them. My parents never compared me to them. And so I left everything, and I decided to go to New York City, and I started pursuing a a degree in fashion design. Okay, I tried pursuing to be a model as well, and then there I worked many, many part-time jobs. I was so busy keeping all the wrapping paper on. I needed the tape. I needed the ribbon. I needed the wrapping paper. No, no, no. Someone unwrapped me here. I need more wrapping paper. I need a fancier wrapping paper. Give me a Tiffany's box. Hmm? And soon in the midst of that busyness of keeping myself wrapped, keeping myself wrapped so that no one can see the arrows that's deep down within me, that day when I was crossing the street, I get hit, bam, by a taxi cab going 40 miles an hour. It hit me on the side. I flew up and my head smashed into the windshield and I landed 20 feet away from the collision. That day, my world finally stopped. I remember when I regained consciousness, I opened my eyes, and my whole world was silent. I remember looking around, and I saw everyone gathered around me, but it was silent, and it felt so warm. It felt so heavenly. I felt like there were angels all around me. And I remember turning my head like this and feeling a warm, warm presence on my right shoulder. And I heard a voice and he said, it's okay now. It's okay now. It's okay now. Three times. I didn't know who that was. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't know who God was. Who was that? I passed out again, lost consciousness. The next thing I knew, I was getting pushed into an ambulance car in a stretcher. And I was laying there, and I remember I was thinking, who was that voice? And when I regained consciousness and I opened my eyes again, there was a supernatural cross right above me. 
right above my eyes. And I was like, is that that man they call Jesus Christ? Hmm. That day was Jesus. And Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he came to try to take me out. I had so many arrows in me, it didn't take much. I was practically on my deathbed. Came in for his final steal, but what? God loves you so much. He came in. And he came down and he put that helmet of salvation on my head. It was a miracle. Did you know I didn't have a single scratch on my body? Now, I had a lot of internal damage. Okay. God knew me. God knew me. You know, me trying to pursue modeling. Oh, man, I would have been so devastated if I looked terrible. But, um... What was worse is I was actually bleeding in my brain. And I looked so perfect that the doctors thought, go home. But my friend was like, no, she's not well. Did you hear the police report? They wouldn't even believe the police report. And that night, I ended up having a full-blown seizure. Okay, so after that, I actually, you know, God saved me, but I went through a lot. I went through, men- I was mentally ill. People call it retarded. I had a handicap pass. <laughs> okay, I was depressed. I suffered from severe post-traumatic stress disorder. I had hearing loss. I lost muscles in my neck. I walked around with a neck brace. Couldn't even hold up my own head. And I was thinking, If this is God, his helmet of salvation sure is heavy. I can't even hold up my own head. You know? But God is stronger than the enemy. That day, it was the enemy trying to take me out. God declared war on him, and what happened? He won. He saved me, and the enemy knew that I would be standing here. I would be standing here as a preacher now. I would be standing here in seminary. I would be a powerful minister for the Lord, testifying of his goodness. That's what the enemy knew. He knows more than you. But God's going to stand in his way, and it's always God's victory. You know, gradually, as I learned to stand up as a soldier of Christ, as I learned to put on the armor of God, I, I started to get healed. I started to testify. I started to get redeemed. I started to walk in more boldly. I started learning how to use my shield of faith. I started learning about what the belt of truth meant. I started learning what the righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness is. I learned how to walk with the gospel of peace. And look at me now. Hmm. How many of you guys, I want you guys to close your eyes. How many of you guys feel a burning in your heart right now? I want you guys to raise your hands. How many of you guys feel a burning in your heart right now that you can undeniably say that it kind of 
is uncomfortable. I want you to know that that burning in your heart is God reaching out to you right now, just like he did to me. And he's saying, I see those arrows. He's saying, I know what you've been through. But this is my desire for you. This is my heart for you. I have placed you. I have put you as commander of my armies. I have bestowed a crown of beauty on you instead of ashes. I have anointed you to bind up the brokenhearted, release from captive the prisoners. You have authority. And so I just want to pray for you guys tonight. I want to pray for those who raised their hands. I want to pray for those who didn't, but you know you feel your heart burning. So, Lord, I just pray right now that, God, that they would, the people here today, God, your beloved children, God, here today, God, that they would see And they would know that you are real. And that, God, you've enlisted them in this army, God. Not because they have a burden. Not because they have more responsibility. But, God, so that they can be privileged to hold and take on the full armor of God. And walk in the authority that you have placed over them. To tread on serpents and scorpions. To place the enemy under their feet. God, every word that was said to them, every flaming dart of the enemy, God, that said they're ugly, said they're not good enough, that they're only C-minus students, that they're going to get nowhere in life. Every single arrow of the enemy that was placed within them before they knew how to lift up their shields of faith. God, I ask that you would Come into them right now, Lord, and that they would trust you to be their ultimate surgeon. God, if you are able to take out a rib out of Adam and create a woman out of it, how much more can they trust you in taking out these darts? I pray that your trust would just envelop the people here today, God. God, that they're no longer going to live as defenseless, defenseless civilians, God. But as they grow as Christians, God, they would start to learn your language, your culture of heaven. Learn to fight, learn to pray, learn to stand up for injustice, stand up against injustice. I thank you, Lord, that these students are leaving knowing that you are a supernatural God and that you have ordained them to walk in the armor of God and walk in supernatural things as well. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
time for Emily, Pastor Emily soon. That was awesome. Okay, uh, Michelle's going to give us some announcements now. So how's everyone doing tonight? 